Hey, it's Nathan. Just a quick note. You'll hear us talk about Market Down Monday for this podcast, but it's actually Tuesday if you're listening to this the day it comes out, and that's because we turned Monday's podcast into the JT2MLOW reaction podcast. So for this week, it's Market Down Tuesday. We'll be back to our normal schedule next week. Talk is about to begin. Hey, 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 come on in. Welcome back to Buckeye Talk. It is another Market Down Monday. I believe this is the first Market Down Monday guest we have ever had. I'm Nathan Baird from Cleveland.com. He's Doug Lamery. Stephen Means, still on vacation, should be back any minute now. In fact, I think he will be back by the time you're all listening to this. But we're joined today by Buckeye Talks official bookmaker, Tyler Shoemaker. You may remember him from many of our uh, live pods from last year where we brought him on the Zoom uh, the night before games and he kind of talked to us about that line and other lines around the Big Ten. And he's back to talk to us about the 21-21 season. Tyler, how are you doing? Nathan, I'm great. It's good to, good to be back on the show. I feel like uh, semi-regular at this point, so it's, uh, it's an honor. I've been a long-time listener, so it's, it's good to be on again. I, I, I agree with that. Like you're almost not a guest. You're almost, you're like the fourth member of the pod at this point, <laughs> tissue that it's like, uh, you know, you're that, you're that guy that is on the stage with us a lot. So it's good to have you. I think of you as like the member of the, the rap group that has, he just like stands over with like the vanity cane or whatever. He doesn't really have a lot to do, but we bring him on. It's still an important like accessory role or that guy in the mighty, mighty boss tones that just like danced. And that was like all he did. For people who listen to 90s music. And Tyler left now. Tyler's like, oh, I'm the guy that just dances? <laughs> no, no, no. It's, I'm not here it's to dance crucial. for you. He doesn't have a daily role with us, but it's still a critical role. He's an important accessory. I, I don't mean that in a derogatory <laughs> way. Tyler, has this been, like, how much of the, is the anticipation building for you? Um, you know, you, you, you published, uh, you tweeted out what your power rankings are. We're going to talk a little bit about power rankings and what those mean and, and why they're kind of the foundation for sports betting in a lot of ways. Cause it's something I want to know more about. And I think our listeners would like to know more too, but as you got to sit down and like start putting together your spreadsheet and stuff. Like I know as someone who does like fantasy baseball and takes it kind of seriously that February and March are like pretty fun months because you start kind of delving into those numbers a little bit more. Is that what like June and July are for you that you get, do you look forward to like when you finally get to start like, doing some math yes absolutely um because it you know it's one of those things you don't want to start too early because things change especially with um the transfer portal and, and things like that now so um so i did just put out uh you know i spent a ton of time uh, putting together my my sheet that's got my power ratings and and win total projections and all of that um so i spent a lot of time on that but i will i'll probably do one update again right before the season starts that'll include any additional transfer portals or you know if if uh Ohio State lands JTT um that would you know then be included in their um recruiting score uh, that factors into my power ratings and, and things like that that just kind of come together last minute that um I'll probably probably do one more update uh, I don't anticipate that'll shake things up too terribly much but I do want it to be as accurate as possible going into the season 
when did you catch the bug for this? Like, when did this become a thing that became a, a big hobby for you? Um, I started just kind of recreationally betting college football probably in 2017, I believe. Um, and then it's just one of those things where it's like, you know, especially with, with money involved, it's like, I don't want to just be throwing darts at the board. I want to have an idea and make educated picks. So then, you know, I started just kind of following, um, some reputable, uh, computer models like the FEI and, and Sagarin and, um, SP plus and things like that. And I was like, well, you know, I kind of looked at their models and thought like, well, I need, I need something like that, that I don't need to rely on anybody else for. Um, so I just over the past few years have kind of crafted my, uh, my ratings and, and, uh, it's, it's gone really well. I mean, I've, I've tweeted out my record. I don't have it here in front of me, but it's, it's been really good the last, last couple of years. So uh, each year I try to just build and, and make it even, even more accurate. So for people who aren't familiar Ohio is trying to get a sports gambling bill passed. A lot of the neighboring gonna, states have they're it. Gonna, they're going to. They're going to. It will be passed. Matter of time. Yeah. Right. It's, but it was on. It was in the process of maybe getting into this last budget. The Senate passed it. It kind of got slowed down in the House. There are some things that they say they want to hash out. But it sounds like the Speaker is in favor of getting it passed this fall. So, Tyler, you live here still in Ohio, right? I'm in, I, I live in South Carolina now. Oh, South yeah. Carolina. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And do, is sports gambling legal there? No, it's not even, it'll be God knows how many years before it gets <laughs> legalized there. There we're, uh, we're in 1950 in South Carolina. Gotcha. Well, I was curious, Doug, cause we were talking about this. <laughs> gotcha. Oh, the state I live in is antiquated. <laughs> it's like seven. No, gotcha. listen, I used to live in Indiana. I, I understand where he's coming from. Although Indiana has legalized sports gambling. So I think it's it's a frustrating thing right now for some sports fans because some sports fans find this to be a part of being a recreational sports fan. You put money on your team, you gamble on other games. I have a lot of friends who live in Illinois and Indiana and other places who every week when I like I have my poker game with some of these guys and they're talking about they're betting on games that are going on behind them and they're following that as we're playing. And it's like it's it's a definite part of their enjoyment. Like so Doug, you and I were talking about this as we were sort of setting up the pod. How do you feel like this is going to change the way we talk about Ohio State football on a week-to-week basis? I don't know that it changes – it doesn't become like the, any kind of a focus that we have, but do you feel like we're just going to naturally have to talk about gambling more? I think it might become a focus. Because, listen, I mean, it's just like people – it can be in your everyday life, right? That um, I mean, there, if you really want to bet, you'll find a way to bet. You, that's been, it's been that way forever. I mean, you can, you can do that. But – I consider myself in a group of people. I, I think the group of people that like would be pretty large of like, well, you know, if it's not legal, I'm not going to like really seek it out and whatever. Like, but, but if it's like, if it's like going to get gas and it's that easy and it's on my phone and it's like ordering, it's not even like going to get gas. It's like ordering food. You can order a bet. It's like, well then, then I'm interested in that for a little bit here and a little bit there. And I just think it becomes part of it. And like, if we're supposedly experts on a team, then we've got to just not talk about like, oh, I think they're going to win. But we've got to talk about like, well, this is what we would bet if we were you. You know, like we have to talk about that. It becomes more a part of the daily existence. And so, you know, I don't know why it doesn't. It's like a lot of this stuff. I don't know that it means that we do like a gambling podcast on Buckeye Talk. It just means that we work gambling in to everything we talk about. Like we do our picks pod now, but it was just picks. Right. But now it's like, well, not only is it just picks, it's like there's actually an expectation that a lot of people listening to this might actually bet on the game, even if it's five bucks. So this is what we really think because now your money's at stake. It's not just us like throwing stuff into the wind because it's all fake. 
and we do already do that a little bit because we talk about the spreads and, and and picking against the spread and things like that. I think you're right though. I think it does. We we emphasize it more. Again, I don't know if it becomes like the focus, but it's something we would have to emphasize more. Um, Tyler, like, how do you, as, as it becomes more widespread, like, how do you feel like people like us, like this podcast or people who cover sports need to be cognizant of, of the gambling side of things and how should we be talking about it? I think so. I mean, as every state that has legalized it can attest to with their revenue that they generate. I mean, there's a huge interest in it. And, and I think especially from, I mean, regardless with a team like Ohio state, especially there's going to be your diehards that are, you know, interested whether there's gambling or not but I think from a casual fan standpoint that's where you can kind of get those fringe people that may not care otherwise but are like hey Ohio State's on I'm gonna I'm gonna bet on them or against them or whatever the case may be I'm gonna bet on this game um I think those are the people um you know for for people like yourself in in journalism I think those are the people that you can acquire as you know listeners and readers um if, if you provide that type of content, because they may not necessarily care about who's the backup quarterback, but they care about is Ohio state going to cover the spread. But I definitely remember, I definitely remember at some point on this podcast, Tyler Shoemaker saying something to the effect of, I hate it when people who don't know about gambling, talk about gambling. Yes. I was like, just say my name, Tyler. <laughs> so I also think, I do think from an Ohio state perspective, listen, we don't know about gambling, but we know Ohio state football. So I do think that, you know, if you're a daily beat writer for a team, you should have a read on, listen, I, I not only think, I mean, the thing with Ohio state, they're, they're going to win 10 games a year minimum. So it's like, well, is this a week to bet the, give the points or take the points with Ohio right. state, right? Like Nathan and Steven and I should have a read on that better than a person on the street or i mean come on what the, what are we doing but i do think a lot of it we're gonna have to i mean tyler i don't know i gotta talk to my i gotta talk to our boss a little bit but it's like we need somebody like you if we're gonna talk about nobody cares what nathan and i think from a betting standpoint about georgia clemson now we could talk about georgia clemson opening week from a playoff standpoint positioning who we think is going to win but us giving actual gambling advice on georgia clemson set that on fire but like if we have you on Tyler, then it's like, okay, well, the, if somebody might want to throw 20 bucks on Georgia Clemson, Tishu came in and said, my ratings say this, I like this, this, and this. And now that's an educational conversation. So I think Steve and Nathan and I can talk, talk in a smart way about Ohio State and maybe a couple of the Big Ten teams. But to your point, Tyler, I do think we're here to entertain a lot of the time, but if we're trying to inform on anything that's not Ohio State, we need a guy like you because, honestly, Nathan Baird, I don't trust him as far as I can throw him. No, neither do I. And I, because of that, because I, 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 I hear what Tyler's saying when he says people who don't know about gambling shouldn't talk about gambling. So one of the reasons why I wanted to have this podcast was so Tyler could tell us more about gambling. And I wanted to start with this idea of the power rankings because I feel like you mentioned it sort of casually last year when we started having you on the, the live pods as – uh, this is why I came up with this line because this is where they are in my power rankings. And I don't know that people out there understand how the lines get set in the be to begin with. And the power rankings have something to do with that. So if you could, can you kind of give us a tutorial on what those are, how they, how you come up with yours and why those are the foundation for the betting lines that we see each week? Sure. So the, the gist in, in a nutshell, the one liner would be a power rating is basically a team's um, aggregate um, rating on paper. Um, so, so to to put that into context, like 
Um, last year, o- Oklahoma, for instance, they lost um, an early game or two early in the season, but they're still, but because of their, you know, returning production, what they had done the, the seasons leading up to that and their recruiting, they were still pretty much in my top 10 in my power ratings all year long. And people are like going crazy, like how they've lost two games. They lost to, you know, this terrible team. How are they top 10? It's not a, I think people are so conditioned to thinking about football uh, in, in terms of like an AP style. If, you know, if you lose, you get punished. And if you win, you get rewarded. And, and power ratings don't necessarily care if you win or lose a game. It's more based on your actual performance in those games because because I mean we've all seen it sometimes you like the 2019 um, Fiesta Bowl for instance you know Ohio State by most accounts outplayed Clemson in that game but they lost so uh, you know and that's just that's just one example sometimes you play bad and win so uh, a power rating really looks more at how good your actual team is and and how good your performance is and kind of kind of removes the the garbage time and, and some luck standpoint uh, or luck aspects of, of the game, which is ultimately what decides games sometimes. So, so people, people freak out when a team loses and, you know, may rise in the power ratings and, and vice versa, but the power rating just doesn't care. And I, and I will say, I, I mean, I, people listening know this, there's just a really important distinction between power ratings and rankings both ways because of that. Don't use rankings to bet. But don't use power ratings to pick who makes the playoff because, like, right. that's the thing that's like, oh, like Oklahoma should be high in power ratings, but they lost their first two games. They don't belong in the playoff in a 14 playoff, exactly. right? That you have to be able to distinguish between two the, those two things. And on occasion, it, it ticks me off when people try to use power ratings for a playoff argument. And it's like, oh, well, that is, it's like, well, they lost though. Like, right. I know, like, I'd bet on them if Oklahoma played Notre Dame in a game at the end of last year. I think I'd bet on Oklahoma to beat Notre Dame, but Notre Dame should be in the playoff ahead of Oklahoma because Oklahoma lost their first two games. So like that is where the difference is of what are, what are you trying to get to? Exactly. That's the point of the ratings and that's how you decide how to use them. And I also think it's what sets apart the two different types of like AP top 25 voters is the people who, maybe lean more towards a power ranking way of, of evaluating teams, which I think is people like me. And then the other people who were uh, voting coastal Carolina, like sixth when they hadn't played or beaten anybody last year. Exactly. Exactly. Then, then how, how is it that, how do the power rankings then end up setting the lines each week? It, can you go a little bit into that? Like how you sure. set a line based on what you see from the power rankings? So everyone, or I should say most, most power ratings that you see, I, they're all going to be a, a little bit different and, and certain people value certain metrics more than others. Like for instance, I know a, a lot of the power ratings that I look at just to kind of gauge where mine are falling in line. A lot of people put a ton of emphasis on returning production. I do factor that in, but I don't think nearly as much as others. I think, I think um, Bill Connolly that does SP plus, I think he, he had mentioned once that he, puts like he weighs it like 33% on returning production. And I don't, I don't go nearly that high because for, for a team like Ohio state, for instance, that, that turns over talent every single year, like sure on any given year, they have a terrible uh, returning production um, rating. But when you look at the recruiting and, and what's coming right behind those guys, they're, they're likely not going to miss a beat. So I, I think that's, that's a little bit of an overrated um, metric 
Um, but I, I do factor it in to an extent because I, I think what you did last year and who's coming back is important. I just don't think it's as important as, as some others may, may think it is. Um, but, but as far as the, the number itself, so basically the way you should think about it is um, how many points above or below the average team are you? Um, so, for instance, uh, in my, my power ratings, I've got Alabama number one right now, um, and their power rating by my numbers is 85.5. The next number two is Clemson at 81. So what that means is I would favor Alabama by four and a half points over Clemson on a neutral field. Gotcha. What is it like being an Ohio State fan and someone who's really into gambling? And do you ever – find yourself like how often do you find yourself betting against that number for Ohio State I I generally don't I just as a karma thing I generally don't bet against Ohio State um I either bet on them if my number indicates to do so or you know if my number says they're they're not going to cover then I just I just stay away I I don't want to I don't want to put that on the Buckeyes but um but yeah no you're you're absolutely right that that predicament does does happen i mean several times a season for sure i think it's allowed listen i uh, yeah, karma karma is for real we all acknowledge that and I, listen I your karma is for real but also like if you see it's one of these weird games where like nebraska uh, Ohio state's favored by 38 against uh, nebraska or rutgers and your number says they're only going to win by 29 that's a pretty huge swing i think you could still put money on on rutgers there that's where yeah. I think it's allowed. Yeah, if it's like a four-touchdown spread and you're just thinking Ohio State's only going to win by three touchdowns, then <laughs> I, think, I think you can middle that. And you win both ways because Ohio State's going to win and you're, you're going to be happy as a fan, but they might not cover a huge number. If it's a tight enough number where if you start messing with betting against the Buckeyes, you're actually risking them losing the game, that's where the karma creeps in. But, Nathan, yeah. I agree with what you said. So, Tishu, you are free. Be free. Be free, man. You're still a loyal fan. And this is, this is something all the people who are going to bet five bucks on their app when Ohio makes it legal, you're freed up. If the line's more than like 21, go for, go for both ends. Go for the win and maybe not much as much cover as you think. But also, like, and I guess you don't work this into your power ratings. If you get a sense, Tyler, of like, hey, this is the game where Ryan Day is going to empty the bench and it's the, the Akron game and all the second string guys are going to play in the second half. And so I think they're not going to cover a 50-point spread because whatever, whatever, whatever. Like, would you ever factor that in on a bet? Or are you just like, well, that's not what my numbers say, so I'm not going to try to let, like, this outside mumbo-jumbo affect how I put my money down? Yeah, no, I think, I think that's a good point. I think you, I, you do have to, to factor that in um, because, you know, from a, a strictly power rating standpoint, if, if Alabama, who's number one in my ratings, played um, Bowling Green, who's dead last, you know, I've got them as, like, 82 points better. Alabama's not going to win by 82 points because they're going to, you know, like you said, empty the bench and run clock and whatever. So, so you do have to factor that in. I mean, that's, that certainly goes into, um, like I've, I've, I've told you before, like there's a, there's a difference between what the, the power rating says and then what the handicap is in terms of how you actually evaluate the game. So the power rating is, is where you want to start evaluating the game, but certainly you have to, you know, use your, use your brain and, and acknowledge that, okay, Alabama's not going to beat them by 82 because they're, they're not just, they're not going to do that. I think that's the important thing to remember is that when you take the opponent getting that many points from Ohio state, you're not betting against Ohio state. You're betting against some dude who did some math somewhere. You're not yeah. betting against your team. You're betting against someone else's math <laughs> or the, or the, like, you know, the, the, 
consensus math that you think is wrong. I, I, I think that's the way to look at it. It's like you're not betting against your team. You're betting against another human. Yeah, no, that's, that's fair for sure. And it's one of those things. That's where we should be able to help people, where if we're trying to get a feel like, listen, you know, Ryan Day is really trying to get Justin Fields to Heisman. So we think Justin Fields is going to play into the middle of the fourth quarter, even in a blowout, versus we really think he needs the backup quarterback to get some reps. We really think Justin Fields, if they're up by three scores, is, is not going to play at all in the second half. That's where we have to help people try to, if they want to bet on some of this stuff, get a sense for this. It's not why. And I don't think it will be hard. Listen, Nathan, this, was like a, this would have been a time where I would have been – there was a time – listen, the world be a changing. Uh, there, there's a time where I would have been – kind of loathe to do that kind of thing because I would have felt like, hey, maybe I feel like I know something or have a sense of something as a reporter that I'm now putting out into the world for gambling. And that doesn't seem right, you know, be, something like that that's not raw numbers, but like, hey, you know, everybody's saying player X is supposed to play this week, but man, we were watching the end of practice and like, I, he doesn't look right to me. I don't know that he's going to play. And that should affect how you bet Ohio State. Now, we would write about that or report that, but like if in the past, couching that in terms of like that should affect how you bet Ohio State because that guy was kind of limping after practice, I would have felt weird about. But if it's legal and like everybody's on board and like we're here, like I don't think I feel weird about that anymore. It's just part of the game. It's just everybody's doing it. Like this, it's regulated. It's not, you know what I mean? Like, I, I don't know if that's, if that's a, a difference without a distinction or a distinction without a difference that, like, I was being weird about it. But that's where it's, some of this is different for me, Nathan, that I just feel like I'll be free to talk about anything from a betting standpoint because I, my view sort of, of of how betting is accepted has changed. But, Tishu, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but a lot of that information is already probably making it into the line in some way, right? Like, the people like you and the people who do it for a, a living certainly are scouring for information and trying to pick up those little tidbits. And we, like, you, like Doug says, we'll be writing all week long, like, oh, it looks like so-and-so may or may not play. Or I'm sure last year during all the COVID stuff when there were rumors all over the place about who will or won't play, like, there were people out there trying to kind of get that information ahead of time. And that appears in – that does fact – end up influencing what that line ends up being right yeah def definitely that's that's a great point uh you, especially last year you know with with COVID stuff it was um you know I remember you guys saying on, on one episode like how could you bet college football this year it is crazy and and you're right I mean it was it was a lot of uh very time consuming to you know look at my power ratings and say okay you know here's a here's a handful of games that I may bet now let me go dig deeper and see you know, what their injury and COVID situation is um, for, for that exact reason. So I think now, in I will say, though, a lot of times, not always, but a lot of times, if there is going to be, you know, a, a key a key player or a semi-important player um, that's rumored to be out or has actually been declared out for a game, the market generally overreacts to that type of thing. Like, I mean, the, the Trevor Lawrence's and Justin Fields's of the world uh, are, are kind of exceptions where I would make them worth uh, six or seven points to the spread. But, I mean, if, if Haskell Garrett, for instance, is out, he's a great player. I would not adjust my power ratings for that. But the market would probably move two or three points because everyone freaks out about stuff like mm -hmm. that. That's a great point. I'm pretty sure in true market down Monday fashion, I did not say what we're marking down yet. I mean, like I, I, like I, I – no, you did not. So I don't know. Like, you want to go back? Yeah. 
nobody knows. But I think, thank goodness, Tyler has made this an interesting discussion. It's just nobody knows what it's about. We are going to mark down. We're each going to pick five teams over or under the Vegas uh, totals right now, whether we think they're going to win more or less games than that. It, that's pretty straightforward. We're each going to get pick five teams, and we're going to get into those teams when we come back from this break on Buckeye Talk. We are back on Buckeye Talk. We are marking down some over-under win totals for the 2021 college football season. We are joined by Tyler Shoemaker, our official bookmaker here on Buckeye Talk. You already mentioned, Tyler, you have Alabama number one. Why? Well, um, the, the three, like I said, the three pillars of my, of my power ratings are what you did last season, and I, and I also will, will peek into what you've done kind of the last three seasons because if, if you're a, a good program but you maybe just have a down year, I don't necessarily hold that all the way against you. So that, that's one, one component of it. Um, the next is uh, returning production, which, again, I don't put as much weight as, as a lot of people do into that, but I do factor it in. And then what your recruiting rankings are, but not just your recruiting rankings, but I, I weight it by um, the sophomore and junior classes, which generally are the, the bulk of your expected production in a given year. I, I weigh those more heavily than freshmen and seniors. Sounds smart to me. Man, why didn't I come up with a power ranking? Now I'm jealous. You still can. Take July, come up with a power ranking. You can go head to head with Tissue every week. But I don't know how to use a spreadsheet. Do I need to know how to use a spreadsheet to be able to do power rankings? Do you know what a spreadsheet is? Can I Google it? What is a spreadsheet? I just got an education about what power rankings are. Now I need what is a spreadsheet. I might have to be like, what is a calculator? But I'll get there. Now, now I'm motivated. Now I feel like Nathan, on Tyler's behalf, threw down the gauntlet of like, oh, oh, you don't think I could do power ratings, T-Shoe? T-Shoe, I'm coming for you, man. I'll, co I'll come something up about the color of uniforms to come up with a power ranking. I'm actually about to crank out a spreadsheet because that's how I'm going to have to tabulate the 2021 11th annual preseason Cleveland.com Big Ten football poll. Cranking out spreadsheets, Buckeye Talk. That email goes out today. You I don't – it's like, oh, you have to do a spreadsheet. You do not want to know how many nights I spent with a yellow legal pad and a pen tabulating the early days of the Cleveland.com Big Ten poll. Uh, so contrary to popular belief, you do not need a spreadsheet. All you need is a pen and your fingers. You don't, yeah, you don't need a spreadsheet. You, in theory, don't even need a pen and paper. You can just use your fingers. But uh, I'm going to go the more modern approach on that because uh, I'm worried about screwing it up. And you're a human boy. You're not an idiot like me. It's okay. Uh, so Alabama number one, where, and you said Clemson number two, um, where does Ohio State fit in among just what you're expecting from the top teams in the country? I've got Ohio State number three, and honestly, I there's a there's a pretty sizable uh, gap between two and three right now. Uh, I've got Clemson power rated at 81, uh, and Ohio State at 74 and a half. Um, so, you know, Clemson will be favored by six and a half uh, over Ohio State on a neutral. But I will say, I think a lot of that what what's hurting hurting. I mean, Ohio State's number three, but what's hurting their rating is that 2019 transitional recruiting class Ryan Day's um you know first class that he had to kind of take over and throw together really quickly that that's really hurting Ohio State's talent score I mean it's still the fourth best talent score um by my calculations in the country but 
it would be a lot higher if it weren't for that class. That's that's the Garrett Wilson, Zach Harrison, Harry Miller, and not much else helping the yeah. roster at the moment class. So uh, we're just going to kind of go team by team. And when we get to one that we want to put down as one of our over-unders, we should just yell out, mark it down, and we'll decide if we're including one of them in our as an over or under and, and why we're going to do that. But I'm curious, like you say, Alabama and Clemson are like the clear – the two clear best teams Vegas insider, which was the, the line that we were using that both have them at 11.5. looks like you have them both at 12. And is that, is that just a regular season number? Or is that everything? Cause I think if you think those are the two best teams, you're expecting them to play 15 games. No, it's regular season. It's, it's not, just yeah. regular season. It has okay. to be. Yeah. It's, it's a 12 game regular season for all this stuff. Gotcha. Okay. So that makes it, yeah, that makes it a little bit easier then to, to kind of suss this out. So, um, those are both though teams that like you, you're basically picking, are you, are you going undefeated or not? Like it becomes almost hard to have the very best teams in the country be a good bet to take the over because you've got no margin for error. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So, so I, I do, I mean, my numbers do have them both projected to go 12 and 0, but I mean, again, that's, that's, I have them projected to be favored in every game they play. So, I mean, obviously upsets happen, but I mean, you can only go with what the numbers say, you know, at this point in time. Who else do you have favored to, to go 12 and 0? Your numbers. He has six teams to go 12 and 0, which again is just like, as you said, Tyler, right? It's numbers. It's like being favored in a game. But right. I did find that interesting. And, and I find it interesting of like, again, like if you had to actually like, if you were really betting, do you think all six of these teams are going to go 12 and 0? Maybe not, but this is what your numbers are telling you. Right. It's, yeah, right. So it's like you look at it and it's like, okay, well, who are you going to bet on them to lose to? Because you'd have right. to. You know, so like, yes, there's a chance that they slip up, but trying to trying to pinpoint that, you know, in a game that they're for sure going to be favored in. I mean, that would just be um, not very intelligent. Yeah, like you would have picked 2018 Ohio State possibly to go 12 and 0, and they probably should have. The Purdue game is just a stupid slip up that happens along right. the way. Like, you, it's hard to predict those I, sometimes. I, I don't know if this makes sense from a mathematical spreadsheet calculator numbers standpoint, you guys. But I, but I do so when I'm trying to think of like a futures bet like this of like going 12 and 0. It's like, well, I mean, they're going to be favored in every game. But how many games do I think they have a chance to lose? And if there's like four or five games where I think you've got a at least like a 15 percent chance to lose, and you start adding that up, that's how I kind of do that. But I also could see Tyler how that gets you in trouble. It's like when you start adding up games where you think that team only has an 85 percent chance to win. But individually, an 85% chance to win versus a 15% chance to win is a pretty overwhelming favorite. And exactly. you can keep waiting for something that never happens, even though in my head I'd add up like, well, I have five 15% and that's 75% chance they're going to lose a game. But I might be thinking about it like a dumb guy thinks about it. No, I, I, don't, I, don't, think that's, I don't think that's dumb. I just – like to Nathan's point, there there's just not a lot of margin on those. So, I mean, honestly, I think of the – I have seven teams projected to go 12-0 and 0 to be favored in all 12 games. And, I mean, of those seven, I would maybe bet two of them um, because of where their win total is – their over-under is set at. But, I mean, for, for Ohio State, Oklahoma, Alabama, Clemson, whose win totals are 11 or higher – there's just there's no there's no margin there, so that that just wouldn't be a good bet. So who are the other twelve and you have? I have Washington, which is my dark horse playoff team. Spoiler alert: 
um, their, their schedule just lays out favorably and, and, you know, they just had, had a good power rating uh, across the board. They play Michigan. Oh. You don't believe in Michigan? You don't think Jim Harbaugh's going to be loaded for bear <laughs> no. against the fighting Huskies? I, I'm, I'm not going to give away one of my, one of my five picks, but Michigan might be one of them. Um, and I, you know, I would maybe take uh, coastal Carolina. They're, they're over under is, is it set at 10 and their schedule is horrendous. I mean, it, it's one of the worst schedules in, in college football this year. So uh, that that's another team uh, that I have going undefeated. And then, I have Wisconsin is the other. I want to talk about a lot more of these teams more in depth, and we'll get into that in a second. But I am curious, and I don't know if you have this right in front of you. What does your power rankings tell you will be the toughest Ohio State games? The toughest Ohio State games are, are – there, Are there any that are like that, – that your power rankings tell you are like reasonably close? I would say I bet you I bet you you're Oregon. I bet you have Ohio State as if I had to guess by the tissue power rankings, I would guess you have Ohio State as like a neutral field, and it's not a neutral field. Nine point favorite over Oregon. Let's see. So I've got no. It's only four and a half by the power yeah, rankings. Four and a half. Four and a half neutral. Um, so so I, I would have that line at about seven and a half uh, for for the game in Columbus this year. So that's that, a, yeah, that's a, that's a real game. Yeah. So that's. You know, that, that's the closest. And then they've got um, – Because nobody in the Big Ten has a power ranking for you as high as Oregon does. Correct. Yeah, so, so the, next, the next closest uh, team that they have in the regular season is, is Indiana with a, a 63 power rating. So we've got Ohio State as 11.5 points better on a neutral than, than Indiana. And so again, as an we talked about point, before, yeah. they don't play Wisconsin, they don't play Iowa in the regular season, and some of the, those are some of the more – Interesting Big Ten, teams. right? And Wisconsin and Iowa are my second and third highest power-rated Big Ten teams. And they get Nathan, please let home, me pick is... games soon. Please let me make picks soon. We're let, like thirty-five let... minutes in, and I'm just dying to make picks. So <laughs> can we please get to that? Well, let's do it. Is there anybody that we've mentioned so far? So any of those teams that that Tyler's picking to go twelve and zero that we would pick that we want to be one of our market down teams? Yeah, boatload. I got a okay. gazillion of them. Let's go. <laughs> then All throw right. one out. I'm marking down Oklahoma to go undefeated. So if Oklahoma by Vegas is – I saw them at an 11. So I guess it doesn't matter. But even if they lose a game, then I push, right? So it's not even 11 and a half. I don't know who Oklahoma's losing to. So you look at – I mean, you know, Iowa State, I'm very – I don't know about Iowa State. I, I have questions about whether they'll be able to sort of live up to the expectations. Their non-conference schedule is terrible. They're not going to lose in the non-conference. And so who's going to beat them? Like, I think they got their crazy losses out of the way last year. And so they are the team that I am most comfortable with going through the regular season undefeated. So I am marking down Oklahoma as over, whether it's 11 or 11 and a half. Yeah, Oklahoma plays at Tulane, Western Carolina. And Nebraska. And Nebraska. In the, like, in the non-conference. Like, Nebraska's their big game. That's the whole thing. Everybody's mad because that game's like an 11 local time start. So, I don't know. I, I feel I, – I don't know if actually that's my number one because I actually think sometimes it's easier to bet – well, I don't know. I can say it's easier to bet on somebody on an under because now, you know, there's no room for error. If Spencer Rattler gets hurt, then, like, maybe that bet blows up. But I, I, would, I would bet that. Tyler, what do you think of that bet? Yeah, I think I, I – can't argue with that. I've, I've got it projected and, you know, just looking at their, at their schedule. I mean, they've terrible non-conference. They, they 
play Texas. Uh, I believe that's a neutral site game uh, every year. Um, so, you know, I don't – I'm with Doug, too. I don't – I'm not as high on Iowa State as, as everyone else. Uh, you know, everyone else, uh, a lot of people are picking them as a, a dark, horse, dark horse playoff team, and I just I – don't, I don't think they're that. So, yeah, I, I think it's a great pick. So, I'm going to mark – down a team now and I am going to mark down Iowa State to go over eight and a half but I am skeptical of them as a potential playoff team too but eight and a half seems kind of tasty where do you have seems like you have Iowa at eight and a half for real Iowa State that's what I I saw Iowa State at eight and a half that's the number that I saw via the the numbers that Tishu put out is that incorrect I I saw it at nine and a half okay nine and a half and I was still surprised that it was that low I would still Given take the that. way that people are talking about them. Cause I was ready to bet. I, I, the thing I see uh, DraftKings, FanDuel, William Hill Sportsbook points bet all over under nine and a half for Iowa state. I was all yeah. ready to bet that because the way people talk about Iowa state, I thought it was gonna be like 10 and a half. And so I was surprised where it was. So I stayed away from it, but I, I looked at it as an under but it's only nine and a half. So you think like you're saying, Nathan, you feel very comfortable like Iowa State winning 10 games. Yeah, I'm, I would take Iowa State even at, at nine and a half. I don't think they're going to push to beat Oklahoma. I don't think they're going to push to win that. But if, if they only only have to get to 10, I mean, they. I think that the big stumbling block for them, it actually could have all fall apart as quickly as week two, though. They play Iowa at home. I think Iowa is a team that maybe is a little bit slept on. Um, as far as uh, as betting and things go, and then it just matters how much you believe in like the the, the Texases of the world, and and whether they will get you know tripped up uh, in one of these Big Twelve games. But um, I, I'm so I'm kind of middling Iowa State. Like I am also skeptical of them being a a real playoff contender, especially just because of how strong I think Oklahoma might be. But I I think that 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 nine and a half is relatively comfortable for them. I think it's very possible that a rivalry game week two against a good Iowa team, everyone's going to be talking about Iowa State as a playoff team. Iowa's going to be underrated. Iowa's going to be like, oh, oh, you like that, do you? And I think it's possible Iowa goes to Ames, wins that game, and blows their season up. And Iowa State goes like seven and five. Not because of talent, but because of like expectations that get blown up and they just don't know how to handle this stuff and they have a mediocre year. Tyler, what's one of your five picks uh i'm going to mark down washington over nine wins and that, i know that's not super um state but it could be if washington does indeed make the playoff you know when wins the pac-12 and, and is a playoff candidate so that that's what i'm gonna mark down washington over nine i also had washington on my list and i was partially influenced by your projections frankly but also when you just look at the rest of the Pac-12, which is still um, kind of, you know, mediocre at best. Um, and it, I think it all comes down to that Oregon game. I mean, that Oregon game could potentially be huge. I think people look at Oregon right now as the front runner in that conference. I think that's like the conventional wisdom nationally. And I don't know if that's fair. And, and if Washington wins that game, then they may be in the driver's seat, like you say, to be the team that comes out of the Pac-12 and goes to the playoff. Yeah, I mean, I, I've only got a point and a half of separation between Oregon and Washington on a neutral, and that game is played at Washington this year. So, you know, the home field advantage kind of flips the the uh, favorite in that game for me. So, you know, if Washington 
lives up to to that rating um you know and they they run the table and and win the pac 12 uh, i i think they could be a playoff team or at least on the outside looking in but i mean i definitely feel comfortable with them over nine wins it's gonna you be have- the race the race to be number one to play four seed washington in the playoff <laughs> The, it's it's you have according to your power ratings you have, you have like you said Oregon first and Washington is favored by at least a field goal over everybody else in the Pac-12 and in most cases like by eight of the twelve teams are favored by at least a touchdown so again I just looked at teams that just on their relative strength to the rest of that league they have some some room to spare and Washington seems like one of those teams uh, Doug who else are you marking down Georgia over ten and a half. I think Georgia's going to beat Clemson in the opener, but even if they don't beat Clemson in the opener, they just have to run their the table of the rest of their schedule, and I don't know who else they're going to lose to. They don't play Alabama in the crossover. They're, they have Florida. They have Auburn. But I think the rest of their schedule, I think the only game they might lose is Clemson. And even if they lose that game, they can still go 11-1 and one and hit this over. So I very much like Georgia. And this is one of those, right, Nathan, we talked about it on the – whatever I can't remember what the title of the podcast was, but a couple months ago about like, Hey, the teams that could jump up. And it was sort of like, obviously it's like, well, it's Oklahoma and Georgia. If you're going outside the big three, I think Oklahoma and Georgia are both have a lot of things in their favor, including veteran quarterbacks um, to have good years. So I, I like Georgia a lot over 10 and a half. I'm a little skeptical of that. I, I, I don't know that I would, I'm would probably still pick Clemson to win that game. Um, I'm looking at Tishu's numbers. He has Georgia favored. I'm sorry, Clemson as like a eight and a half point favorite on a neutral field. I'm trying to remember. Is that game in Atlanta? It's in Charlotte. It's okay, Charlotte. Site. Okay, Charlotte. So, so there you go. Like he's got him as a he's got Clemson as a pretty favorable edge there. Why is that, Tyler? Why do you um, have? Because on paper, like just like anecdotally yeah. I'm pretty high on Georgia going into the season too. I feel like they've got a returning quarterback who got hot at the end of last year. They've always got like the recruiting talent numbers are always there for them. Why is Georgia a, a lower projection for you right now? Yeah. Georgia's um, talent score is tied for first with Alabama. They both are, uh, I, I scale it and they both are, are where the curve was set. So they, they're both uh, tied at, at number one. Um, but Clemson has the edge in the other two major things that I look at. Um, I was surprised to see, cause I, I did think Georgia ended last year. Well, like you said, and got their quarterback situation figured out, but their, um, their metrics from, from last season did not, I mean, that that's really weighing them down, honestly. I mean, Clemson's got a substantial edge uh, as far as that goes. And, and Clemson's got a slight edge in returning production. So th- those two factors are what um, prop, Clemson up so high over Georgia and the other thing to remember is and this doesn't come into power ranking necessarily but okay JT Daniels finished last year strong looked pretty good whatever it doesn't mean he's better than DJ Uyagalele. like right he, he may still be the second best quarterback in that game yeah and I, I believe that Georgia is being held back by last year's association with Stetler Barnett and that is not something that will affect the Bulldogs this season I already gave uh, one of my other um, overs, which was the, I also taking Washington over nine. Uh, Tyler, what's another one of your overs? Uh, I'm going to take – Or unders, Wis- or unders, whatever you want to pick. Yeah, I'm going to take Wisconsin over nine and a half. Um, they, their schedule lay, lays out pretty favorably. I mean, they play some good teams, but it, it lays out pretty nicely for them where they've got Penn State at home, 
their non-conference is Eastern Michigan at home, Notre Dame at home, and Army at home. So, you know, they get through that. Their other crossovers, Michigan at home. I mean, they the only road games they have are at Illinois, at Purdue, at Rutgers. I mean, they've it, it lays out pretty pretty nicely for them. I, I think. I mean. I would be inclined to take them over 10 and a half, but definitely at, at nine and a half, I'm, I'm going to take that. So this is, listen, I didn't have Wisconsin as one of mine originally, but Wisconsin the last three years, four and three last year, 10 and four the year before they made the Rose bowl. Um, eight and five the year before that. This again is the team that when there are, like when everybody's on them. Now listen, so I do think people are going to be on them, right? I, I, I would guess, Nathan, that they probably wind up being our pick in the Cleveland.com poll to win the West. But they've been down a little bit, and like everybody was in on Graham Merch, and they had a weird year, and then he dropped the trophy, and it shattered. And this feels like, to me, the kind of Wisconsin year where they could bounce back up because – I think people are going to like them, but they're but like, they're not Iowa state. Like, I don't think there's going to be so much hype on them that again, I just lump in these sort of like these second and third tier teams. It actually is more third tier. Cause like, you know, I think Penn state could handle some hype and I think like, you know, Georgia can handle hype, but like that third tier, when you're really trying to jump up with the big boys, if there's too much hype, I think it eats you alive. And I don't think there's too much hype on Wisconsin. I think this is a Wisconsin up year so i'm all in with tissue on that over i'm not going to take it because i didn't have it down originally but maybe i'll put five dollars on it if the app comes through in ohio i I think i like that pick too and i what's fascinating to me is the early schedule for them like like tissue was saying like you open with penn state at home that third game of the year you've got notre dame at home like those are really interesting games to me for wisconsin if you come through that then i think they start building their own hype i think that's maybe a a better route for them than if it's like heaped on them at the start of the year but once you start beating some of these traditional powers if you can I mean look at that I mean three of their first four wins in a year could be Penn State Notre Dame and Michigan they could be four and oh with wins over those three teams like there aren't many teams in the history of college football who've been able to like say they ran that gauntlet to start a year at any juncture uh, not that it's that much of a gauntlet anymore with but we don't know for sure like what is Penn State this year what is Michigan this year we're going to find out partially probably by what happens with them head to head against um, against Wisconsin. Yep. It's, is it my turn? Do I need to give a third one? Um, I'm going to stay in the Big Ten. I'm going to take Northwestern over six. I could not believe Northwestern's number was six. I'm I'm really fascinated to hear why what, what Tishu's opinion is on this because I think he has them in a similar. Um, prediction as well I think he's got him more of like a is am I right Tyler I think I think I've got him exactly at six um again that Northwestern is a team I'm I'm curious about because they you know as you guys have talked about a, a ton on the pod they you know they're relying really heavily on the transfer portal for their quarterback position which isn't necessarily factored in at this point into my number so right. so they you know, we project them to start Ryan Helensky from South Carolina this year. So my power rating at this point is not really taking that into consideration. So I do think they probably will be a little better than my numbers give them credit for right now. Um, when I do the final sweep uh, before the season and, and update the numbers, I, I do expect an uptick uh, for them. I, 
how much more than, you know, I don't know that he's going to make a three game difference uh, in terms of their win projection, but projecting them at six right now, I, I am kind of in wait and see mode on them. I do think the updated number is six and a half. Not that that affects it that much, but it's just, but again, now Northwestern, it's like, you know, Northwestern's made two of the last three big 10 championship games in the season in between they stunk. So it's like if now, all right, well, they're coming off a championship season. I think Holinsky will be better than Peyton Ramsey. And I think we saw last year, like Greg Newsom's first round pick for the Browns, but like he missed most of the Ohio State game because he got hurt early in that game. And like they were kind of okay without him. You know, Brandon Joseph is one of the best safeties in the country. Like they just have good, good defense. I think they lost a lot of linebackers and I think they, they did lose some guys, but um, you know, you got to factor in a fits. What's your fits yep. rating? You know, what's your fits? What's your fits rating? They have one of the best coaches in the conference. And that, that's the thing that like a non-betting guy would say, Oh, you got to take into account. Fitz is going to have them ready. So like my, I thought Northwestern having won the West last year might be like nine or eight and a half. Right. And then I would have been prepared to take that under. But six or six and a half just seems low because, like, I think they're real. And, like, I don't know what, what would it take for Penn State to have an over-under of six, you know? Like I, and, like, I'm not saying Northwestern is as good as Penn State, but, like, they're a good winning program, kind of, except they went three and nine two years ago. But that, I think they had, a, they had a terrible quarterback situation then. So I think the quarterback situation will be good. The coach is excellent. They have a defensive philosophy, although their defensive coordinator just retired. So I just was so surprised at the number. I would stay away from it because I think they'll be under their big 10 championship game expectations, but they might be over the idea of like, Oh, they're a six and 16. For, for some additional perspective, because we were talking about the non-conference schedule for Wisconsin uh, Northwestern opens at home against Michigan state. And right now your power rankings have them, pretty similar actually but it would give the edge to northwestern at home there slightly with the points and then their next three games are non-conference indiana state at duke who is pretty bad and at home against ohio so you could be looking at a, a very plausible 4-0 start and i would actually say then you go at nebraska and at home against rutgers 6-0 very plausible before they have to go to michigan it does get tougher at the end at michigan minnesota iowa at wisconsin Purdue and at Illinois, but they don't play Ohio State. They don't play Penn State. So I, I don't know. It just seems like over six right now seems super safe to me, even over six and a half. Because I'm, I'm not, I don't care about the hook right now. We're just going to win. I don't, I don't, I'm not going to factor in whether or not I can push or not. So um, I, I would take, I like Northwestern a lot, actually, over six. Let's take another break. We're going to come back and keep marking down our over under picks for the 21. 21- 21 college football season you're listening to Buckeye talk all right we're back on Buckeye talk we are marking down 2021 college football over unders with Tyler Shoemaker Doug what's next on your list I'll I'll go to a big 10 team that I have um, and I'll take Maryland over five and a half and I don't know how good West Virginia is going to be that's their opener um, in Maryland. But they, I remember when they beat Texas, like, like early in the season, back-to-back years, a couple of years ago. Then they go Howard at Illinois, Kent State. I think they have a shot to be 4-0. And then it gets tough, right? But I think there's enough other wins in there. Michigan State, they finish with Rutgers. Um, Minnesota, possible. That 
I, I think maybe they – I mean, they had a big win last year. They beat Penn State for the first time in a long time. Um, they might have – I mean, in our ratings, Nathan, they had, we, we ranked their quarterback the second-best quarterback in the Big Ten outside of Ohio State. So, I guess, you know, but I think, like, that's real. Rakeem Jarrett, like, they have some talent at the skill position stuff. Um, it doesn't seem like too much of an ask, but I also – if I make this bet, I would be a little nervous because I think they could start 4-0 and maybe still struggle to get over five and a half the way their schedule shakes out, but I'll still take them. Yeah. I, Maryland is a, an intriguing team to me for people who've been following our best 50 opponents, Ohio state will play. We've already had Rakeem Jarrett on our list. And then uh, Talia Tagovailoa, the quarterback, he was Saturday mornings. I think, I think he had number 18 overall. I was the one that wrote it. So this past Saturday, for those of you who want to go uh, check uh, cleveland.com slash OSU to, to keep up on that list. And I know the pro football focus put out a list of the top 25 breakout candidates for 2021, by the way, Boya Mafe from Minnesota, number two on that list in the country, defensive end, the defensive end who I also wrote about. Um, but they had both Jarrett and Tagovailoa in that list of the top 25 breakout candidates in the country. So a team that I think people see as maybe a high floor, low ceiling is still possible there. And maybe even the floor isn't that high. I don't think they're going to, contend to win the east necessarily or anything but a team that could really finally break through and get into that you know seven or eight win conversation if things go absolutely correct for them if they have like an indiana kind of season uh but also a team that could still maybe linger around that four win five win uh basement if 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 Tagovailo doesn't play with more consistency basically he had two great games last year and two awful games tyler how do you look at maryland this year um that's another team I'm, I'm curious about. I do think, I mean, they've got um, the two receivers, uh, Jarrett and, and Demas with Tongue of Iloa. I, th- I think that is interesting with, with Mike uh, Loxley coaching them. I, I think that that's going to be interesting. Um, I mean, the power rating doesn't love them, but that's a team that I certainly could see by middle of the season, you know, their power rating may have jumped up a touchdown from where it is right now. Um, you know, we'll see. We'll see what the defense looks like, but yeah, that that's another team I'm I'm curious about. Uh, I don't necessarily have a strong take either way um, as far as their their win total. I mean, I've got them at at five wins, uh, but that that easily could um, could be six or seven. You know, just depending on how they get it together. But I I don't have a strong take on them either way. All right, Tyler, who is next on your list and over under you are taking for 2021? I am going to go Michigan under seven and a half wins. Woo! I'm coming in hot because they have the most difficult schedule in the Big Ten by, well, tied tied with Purdue for the most difficult schedule. And, you know, with the Harbaugh situation, if they start out – two and two or because they, they go, they have Washington at home in week two and then they're at Wisconsin. So they're, they're likely going to start out three and two. And if they lose both of those marquee games to Washington at home and at Wisconsin, which I project them to do, I, I don't know what's going to happen in, in Ann Arbor. You know, if, if Harbaugh loses two more big games in the first half of the season, I just I can just envision the wheels falling off. Um, I'm I'm trying to speak it into existence also, but but I do from a from a data standpoint, it just looks like that 
is very possible. And then, I mean, and then getting through the Big Ten East, I mean, I've got them as the fourth-ranked power uh, power-rated team in the in the Big Ten East. So, you know, they're I've got them projected to lose to Penn State, Indiana, and Ohio State. So, I just I don't know where the wins are going to come from. And then, especially like I said, if if they do, you know, lose lose some big games, I just I don't know that the that the program is gonna gonna sustain it. You may you may end up with half the team in the transfer portal uh, like they have this offseason. It seems like. And that, that stretch at the end, talking about Maryland, Maryland's in a perfect spot to like potentially try to spring an upset on Michigan. It's at Michigan at Maryland in between Michigan playing Penn State and Ohio State. So Michigan's last month is ver- versus Indiana in Ann Arbor at Penn State at Maryland against Ohio State. And like, again, if they're teetering at all, Tyler, that could be a winless November. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I mean, and if if that happens, I think it would be a pretty safe bet that we would be looking at the end of the Harbaugh era um, if they if they go winless in November on top of losing to to Washington and Wisconsin. I, that would be an absolute dumpster fire. I mean, some of that is based on just how how highly you think of Washington, too, right? Like, I don't know that 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 nationally there's the same uh, expectation for Washington at that level right now. Yeah, that that that's fair. That's fair. I, I I do. I am looking at it from the fact that I think Washington's gonna you know win win twelve games. So that that definitely has something to do with it. But I I can't imagine. You know, if I'm a Michigan fan, I can't imagine. I mean, they they can't be picky about what they're calling big games because they they haven't won. You know, during the Harbaugh era, they just haven't won any of those right. even semi marquee games. So I mean, I, I think that's a game they have to win from a psyche standpoint. You know, to to keep the the fan base at, at bay as a better, do you, do you take that into account? Like you look at your numbers and they say on paper, this, you know, this team should beat the other team, but you know that Jim Harbaugh's Michigan teams don't win big games. Like they just don't, they don't win those big games, especially I think on the road, um, which the Washington game is at home. But like, do you let that influence how you bet on teams? That, that is part of the, of the handicap. So, you know, if the number says some says one thing and then that, you know, that um, extra, uh, those extra details agree with that, then, then certainly it's, it's pretty much an automatic bet. Um, and there are a lot of um, bettors that, that will rely on those type of trends, like, oh, Jim Harbaugh's oh and, you know, whatever in this type of setting. I don't necessarily put a ton of stock in that, but it, but it is something I, I take into account because at some point the numbers become – you know, just too big to ignore, you know, if you're 0 and 10, that, that says something. So, you know, I, I don't know what his record is, but for, for example, but yeah. Yeah. But you, like you get that yeah. Phil Steele book every year and it always says like uh, such and such is one and 11 in night games in the rain since 1993 or whatever. And I'm like, there's yeah. no, there's absolutely right. no context in that number, but it's, exactly. it's interesting That's, to see. Yeah, that that stuff drives me nuts. That that's kind of the stuff that I reference when I'm like, if you don't know what you're talking about, just say you don't know what you're talking about because that the team in 1993 had, has nothing to do with the team that's going to be playing in 2021. And we also will note that Tyler Shoemaker is a man driven by data, but he would rather set his spreadsheet on fire than pick Michigan to go over their number. So I mean, like, oh. Oh, one of T-Shoes bets is Michigan's under. Ooh, who didn't see that coming? But I think you're right, and I do think that they have two huge, really. I mean, you know, two huge games against good teams in the first five weeks. That's just a lot to ask, and it will springboard them 
it will springboard them one way or the other. But I think we've seen the effects of, I don't know, with as many transfers as they had this offseason and basically revamping the entire group of assistant coaches. It's either a new, fresh era at Michigan, and here we go. It's going to feel like, hey, we got it fixed. And I think J.J. McCarthy's a part of that, right? If they Do they lean into Donovan Edwards early? If they can capture that new vibe, hey, we're not bogged down by the past mistakes. This is new. Then they can – I think they have a chance to get rolling a little bit. Absolutely. But if, it, if it's another big loss against a good team and they lose to both Washington and Wisconsin, I think people are going to bail in and outside the program, and then it's going to be a death march to the end of the Harbaugh era. So, you know, I think they'll, those first five games, they should win the other three, but I think they have to win one of the two against Washington, Wisconsin. They go 0-2 against those two teams. It's same old, same old, and I think it probably all falls apart. Doug, who's next on your list? So can I do – Tyler, typically with futures, can you do parlays with futures, or is that not how uh, betting works? It, you, it, it just depends on the, on the book that you use. Some, some will allow parlays on, on futures and some won't. It just, just depends on where you're betting. But for the sake of the podcast, go for it. <laughs> at, at the Tissue Casino, yeah. we can do parlays on this? <laughs> Absolutely. All right. I am parlaying Bama and Clemson both under. Both under 11 and a half. I think Georgia's going to beat Clemson, and then I win that bet. So, like, I'm not exactly sure where else Clemson's going to lose because it still is the ACC. But I just am picking Georgia to beat Clemson in that game. So then that hits the under for Clemson. And then Bama, I, and this doesn't mean that those teams won't make the playoff, right? I mean, they absolutely might still make the playoff. Bama has four games that I listed as, well, I, it's at least feasible. Listen, Derek King is like a is like a dude at Miami, right? As their quarterback, and that's the opener. It's a lot of diabolical Saban scheduling. Miami's talent level overall is not going to be close, but that's Bryce Young's first start. And Derek King has six NIL sponsorships and is like a dude. So that's September 4th, then at Florida on September 18th, at Texas AM, which I think is the big one on October 9th. And then the rivalry game with Auburn on August on uh, November 27th. That's also on the road. Listen. They had a gigantic talent exodus, right? And to your point, Tishu, about like, yeah. And then they, they have all this other talent waiting. But they lost an abnormal amount of talent, I think. And so for me to say, in a year like that, when they lost that much, and yes, their quarterback is a huge recruit, but he is new, could they slip up once? I just sort of think the chances of them slipping up once are, are kind of decent. And so I'll take that, but I, I don't know if I want to play it on its own. So I'll parlay the two of them, but they both still might make the playoff, right? I mean, that's, that's, it does, it's not going to eliminate them from everything. If Bama loses a regular season game, still wins its division, and then beats Georgia in the SEC title game, Bama's going to the playoff, and they might win the national championship. I just think they might win the national championship without being undefeated. I, like I think it. that's a, I think that's a, that's interesting logic. I think that makes a lot of sense. Uh, some of those games, though, it's like, it's, it, you think of them on paper, and then you go look at T-Shoes. Like, for instance, that Miami game. Then you go look at T-Shoes' power ratings, and he has Miami as, like, an 18-point differential, like Alabama better than him by a significant margin. So it, that it, I, I see what you're saying, and I think that's where uh, people like T-Shoes probably make their money is by thinking about it in uh, a more sophisticated way than, than we think about it. 
Well, and if you if you look, you know, that that line opened, that Alabama-Miami line opened at like 13 or 13 and a half. And now it's up to 17 and a half where, I, where my number has it. So, you know, the the sharp betters, you know, jumped on that third, you know, under two touchdowns. They jumped on that early and, and that line disappeared quickly. Uh, Tishu, who's next on your list? I'm going to go Texas over eight. And I considered taking a Michigan State under here, but I think Texas – just from a national standpoint, I think one, I think eight, eight and four would be um, not a great start to the Sark era down there. Uh, I think, I think they've got a little bit of juice as, as Doug says right now with Sark and, you know, they just got, um, even though we took Quinn Ewers from them, they went and got um, Malik Murphy. So I, I I think, I think he's, he's going to get it rolling a little bit there. Uh, Looking at their schedule. I mean, there's really only two games that I see that are, are losable and that's Oklahoma and Iowa state. And they may beat Iowa state, honestly. So, I mean, they, they may end up going 11 and one, but I, I think eight is low. Uh, I'll take Texas over eight. Yeah. The Iowa state game is on the road, but by your power rankings, that would only be about a touchdown differential. Yep. So yeah, it definitely seems within striking distance. I mean, that's one of those teams that I think we keep an eye on every year, even if they're not in the mix in a national way, because we always assume that it's always one year away or two years away. Like it's, it's imminent, right? Like at some point, again, Texas will be a national power. Texas will be in the playoff. It's just a matter of who gets in there and when it happens. And maybe it doesn't happen for another five or 10 years, but I always just assume that the next resurgence of Texas is just down the street. So like keeping an eye on whether they're an eight win team or a 10 win team kind of helps read on how soon that jump might be coming to me well and i've i've got you know just to provide a a little bit more context i've got texas ranked sixth in terms of their talent score so i mean they've got a really talented roster so it's just can can sark put it together better than tom herman did and i mean at least the early vibes that you get from there is that that they expect him to so we'll we'll see I need a fourth pick. I am going to stay in the Big Ten. I think I'm actually changing one of my picks on the fly, but this one I'm going to keep. I'm going to take Nebraska under six. Another shocker. <laughs> Nation uh, who thinks the Nebraska football program is, uh, is no better than Kansas is taking an under on Nebraska. But Not but again, true. Like we just I, had, had a whole, I had them in tier six. We just had a whole podcast about how awful they are. So, like, yeah, I think this is probably a good pick, Nathan. No, what's, what's tricky is they're going to start 3-0, and I think. At Illinois, home against Fordham, and home against Buffalo, which has been kind of completely gutted with uh, Lance Leipold leaving to go to Kansas to try to put out that dumpster fire. He kind of left a – maybe not a dumpster fire, but a little bit of a mess behind him at, at Buffalo. We'll see how they quickly they can regroup. Then they go at Oklahoma – at Michigan State, Northwestern. So they've got winnable games, like these these other Big Ten games, like at Michigan State, Northwestern. It's just a matter of whether you think Nebraska is ready to win game, win all of the games it's supposed to win, and we don't really have evidence that that's going to happen. And then it's, it's, a, it's a tougher finish with uh, Michigan at home than at Minnesota, Purdue at home, and that's a team that they've uh, had some struggles with, frankly, recently and should be in that same kind of ballpark as them. Then at home against Ohio State, at Wisconsin, home against Iowa to end it like it it wouldn't shock me if this team went like oh and six down the stretch and I it to to guarantee that Nebraska could win six games this year 
with this schedule and a team the caliber of Oklahoma on their non-conference schedule to me is is asking a lot for what we've actually seen from them so far. That makes sense to me. I mean, I I, I don't know. It's just hard. It'd be hard to – and that's the thing, too, about this, which is why I think it changes the equation, uh, Nathan and, and Tyler, because if you're putting real – I think I've said this before. If you're putting real money that you had to work for, you had to do a job, and you're going to take your hard-earned American money and put it on a Nebraska over? Are you really going to do that? You're like, oh, well, you know, I had to do this. I had to, I had to do my job, and I, I missed time with my family, and it stressed me out. And it's like, you know what I'm going to do with that? I'm going to bet it on Scott Frost. That when it's real, it, it does change the equation because there's the dad and there's the other thing, and there's like, it, it, do, I, do I have enough trust in my body in this coach program whatever to actually put my real money on it and, and show me somebody who did not you know grow up with a with a nebraska onesie on that is going to put money on a nebraska over and be like yes i feel very good about that i think that's a great point and i i would agree my my projections have them right at six right at the line but let me and, and I definitely would not be one of those people to put my hard-earned money on a Nebraska over. But, Nathan, let me ask you this. If, if the Michigan scenario plays out that, that we outlined earlier, where they lose to Washington and Wisconsin and, and you kind of feel the wheels start to fall off, could Nebraska beat Michigan when they play? Because I'm looking at my Big Ten talent um, score, and Michigan is third and Nebraska's fourth. So talent-wise, there's not a – a huge gap between those two teams. And if, if the wheels are falling off of Michigan at that point, could Nebraska steal, you know, quote unquote, steal a, a, a win there? Yeah. I mean, and they'll be favored even right now. They would even be favored by your power rankings, right? Cause that game is in, well, no, no, no. Michigan would still be favored, but not by much, like maybe by a field goal or yeah. so in, in Lincoln. Um, no, I think that's, that's, that's definitely something that's like the next level thing to look into. And I, that's what's interesting is like you set up your power rankings and this is what like the numbers tell you. And then I feel like you do have to like go almost game by game and like play out some scenarios. If you're thinking about if, if those numbers, if your numbers tell you that it's a number that's on the fringe, right? Like there's going to be some other numbers that are like way off and you're like, oh, well, this looks like an easy bet, right? Or this looks like one I'm definitely staying away from. But when it's like you want to like break down those ones that are on the fringe, that's where I think it gets interesting. And that's ultimately – one of the – I'll just go ahead and say it. I was thinking about taking Purdue over five. But then as you say, when you actually look at their schedule, it doesn't – you know, they may have the best offensive and best defensive player in the Big Ten West in George Karloftis and David Bell. There's some other players to be in that mix, but you could argue that they have the best offensive and defensive player in the Big Ten West. And so that should count for something in the, in the weaker of the two divisions. But then when you start looking at their schedule, they have to play Ohio State. They play Notre Dame's back on the schedule this year. It's like the, the schedule, when you add it up and go game by game, then your assumption that this should definitely be a bowl team can, can quickly get eroded when you have to go game by game and, and figure it out. Yeah. Uh, Doug, you are up next. So that's we've we're doing five, right? So I lumped right. together my parlay. So, so I thought, yeah, I thought that was going to be one on its yeah. own. Do you have a fifth one? I do have a fifth one, and I'm not as certain about this, but it's Cincinnati under ten, 
And Cincinnati has Indiana and Notre Dame on its schedule early. That's like their season-defining stuff. Yep. The thing we talked about last year that, hey, like if Cincinnati wants to actually make a run at the playoff, they're going to play what is perceived as a good Big Ten team and a national power early next season. And if they win those two games, it's going to be a different kind of discussion around them. This, they have a lot. Desmond Ritter, right, one of the best quarterbacks in the country. I'm chalking this up again to like I'm not sure they're going to handle it. and. I don't want to hold this. I mean, I, I maybe I'm happy to be proven wrong. Like the last time they had something to prove, listen, they played Georgia really well in that game, in the, in the bowl. They also lost. They also lost a game they probably should have won. And it is about winning and losing. But like they got smoked at Ohio State a couple of years ago. And like, I can't shake it. I can't shake it. Like they just didn't even compete. And so I am, I am at the moment doubtful about Cincinnati's ability win these huge games against Indiana and Notre Dame to like get it done. So if they lose those two games, now I'm pushing at 10, right? If the over-under is 10, now I'm pushing and now they have to be perfect. And it's like, all right, well, you're the best team in your league, but are you going to be perfect? And so I'll take that and I'll think it might be like a nine and three. And I, and I just, until I know they can handle it, I'm, I'm skeptical. I'm not skeptical of their talent. I'm skeptical of them handling the expectations and the opportunity. Well, and if, if they lose those two games, you know, how motivated are they going to be the rest of the season? Because then, you know, because I, I don't feel like they're a team or a program that necessarily just aspires to win the AAC. I think they, you know, want to try to uh, squeak into the playoffs and that sort of thing. If, if they lose those two games, yes, they can still play for their conference championship. But how, you know, how much does that motivate them at this point, I think would be would be the question. Yeah, right. You said, yeah, well, everything's still on the line for the conference championship, but that's not what they're talking about. It's a very good point. Yeah, I mean, to me, it's all about that, that back-to-back, like at Indiana, at Notre Dame. I mean, that, that's, a, that's a tough back-to-back. Um, and, but it's, at the same time, it's what Cincinnati kind of wants. Like, they want to be more than just the best team in the AAC. And maybe they'll jam it up my butt with a coconut. and It'll be like, hey, you didn't think we could do it? And it's like, well, then – and then we'll think about them differently for sure. But – like, that's the kind of thing that you have to do as a program, but they're not going to sneak up on either of those teams, right? Like, they've, they, they put their stake in the ground last year, yet also didn't quite get where they wanted to go, right? That they, they stuck their stake. It's not in the ground. It's like on the side of the mountain. It's not at the top of the mountain, but teams that are higher up than them on the mountain can look down and be like, oh, look, there's a stake sticking out down there. Ah, we better be careful. Looks like someone's climbing up. So to me, they're a little bit of like almost in the worst case scenario of like, you didn't get all the way to the top of the mountain in your breakout year, but you also put everybody on alert. Indiana is not going to overlook Cincinnati. They're like right next to each other. Like that's a big, that's a big, that's a great game. And then Notre Dame, by the way, right? I mean, Luke Fickle and Marcus Freeman are like brothers, but Notre Dame also just stole Luke Fickle's defensive coordinator. Like Notre Dame knows what's up. Cincinnati knows what's up. Notre Dame is not going to let them sneak up. I just think it's a tough spot for them. And I just think 10 feels a little high. Cincinnati is a threat to Indiana. I mean, Indiana has incentive to try to keep them pushed down in a way that Cincinnati is not a threat to Ohio State. Absolutely. Uh, Tissue. So that's five. Doug's five. We're Oklahoma over 11, Georgia over 10 and a half, Maryland over five and a half, the Clemson Bama under parlay and Cincinnati under 10. Uh, Tishu, who uh, you've taken so far, Washington over nine, Wisconsin over nine and a half, 
Michigan under seven and a half, Texas over eight. And now who's your fifth over under? I'm going to go Michigan State under four and a half. And the reason for that is I've got them penciled in. (laughs) I've got them penciled in for three wins. Youngstown State at home, Western Kentucky at home, and at Rutgers. And I'm looking at the power rating, and they're six and a half points better than Rutgers. So that line would be like three and a half at Rutgers. So are we sure they're they're going to beat Rutgers no. on the road with, you know, Greg Schiano's got the transfer portal working, which again is not necessarily factored in here. I'm not sure of that. And even if they do, that still puts them under. So I feel pretty good about going um, under four and a half. Yeah. I mean, we've talked a little bit about what Mel Tucker's got going on there and the rebuild, but it definitely doesn't seem to be an instantaneous thing. Like he has, uh, uh, pretty far to climb to get Michigan State back to the stature that it had in, in the pretty recent past. Um, but in the East, it's just so much tougher. And then when you start throwing in things like, you know, they've got a, a non-conference game at uh, Miami, um, Miami, Florida. Like, I mean, that it's, it's tough. I mean, the, the East is a tough league to try to rebuild in in a, a quick amount of time, a quick reload. And I, I don't see that happening for Michigan State. I think I like that number a lot. Even four yeah. and eight, four and eight even kind of sounds like a decent step forward for them almost. And that would still be I, under that number. Well, and, and I'm looking too. like, I mean, they're, they're near the bottom in returning production. They're uh, bottom tier in terms of their talent score. I mean, they, they just don't have a whole lot working for them uh, data wise here. So I'm, I feel really good about that. And my last team, like I said, I, I wavered on Purdue. My other team so far, I took uh, Northwestern over six, Nebraska under six, Iowa State over nine and a half, Washington over nine. And I'm going to go back national for my last pick and take USC over 8.5. That's another team that, like Texas, I feel like just from a, an Ohio State perspective, you always have your eye out there. And especially with what Ohio State's been able to do going into California and having the success it has had, it's we always kind of bring it in with the perspective when we talk about that in recruiting of until USC can lock that state down again, Ohio State's going to keep making those incursions and trying to pull teams, pull big-time players out. And maybe they still will to some extent after USC gets good again. We just had Brandon Huffman on the show from 247 Sports the other day, and he talked about going back even Urban Meyer when the first kind of cracks in the ice happened as far as – Ohio State getting out there and starting to pull players. But once USC becomes a big thing again, which kind of like Texas, I always assume is every generation is going to have to deal with that at some point, even if it falls off. Uh, They seem to be kind of climbing back towards that. And again, to be over 8.5, they only have to get to a 9-3 and season. And even though I picked Washington before, and even though I think Oregon's going to be pretty good, there's a lot of the Pac-12 that I think is pretty mediocre at best. Uh, they've got a game against San Jose State on the schedule. Uh, the, the the difference maker is probably whether or not they can go to Notre Dame and win. But I don't think Notre Dame is going to be right now. looks like a huge favorite in that. It seems like a plausible win for them. So I'll take USC 8.5 again as kind of like a step, like Texas taking a step back towards being something uh, more like their their reputation would would expect. I think that's a great pick. Um, I'm looking at their schedule now, and they don't have Washington or Oregon uh, in, in right. crossover. And they go to Notre Dame, but, I mean, are, are we sure that the 
Jack Cone era in Notre Dame is going to be anything special. You know, Noodle Arm 3.0, I, I don't know. Uh, and then at Arizona State, which I've got them penciled in as a loss there, but that Arizona State's one of those teams that I, I kind of – my instinct disagrees with the number because, you know, with all these um, – with the violations and stuff that they've been accused of, like, does that program fall apart by the end of the season? And that's the very last game. So who knows what Arizona State's going to look like at that point. So I think, I think that's a great pick. Arizona State to me is like the Iowa of last year where they had like all this cloud that was hanging over them going into the year. And I think it affected, we let it affect how we thought that team might play legitimately somewhat. And then they kind of overcame that, had a pretty solid year and have, have moved forward. But it, it, what Arizona State is dealing with because it's directly NCAA related things could be a, a bigger sinkhole that they're about to step into. Any uh, any other final thoughts? Any other teams that you guys thought about taking that you were intrigued by that um, that you want to mention before we get out of here? So I had four things that I was I, I wrote down as looking at. One was the Northwestern over. Uh, one was the Iowa State under. We talked about Illinois over three and a half wins. They, I think they have like eight of their twelve games that they could win. <laughs> at least would have a chance. Nebraska, Texas, San Antonio, Virginia, Maryland, Purdue, Charlotte, Rutgers, and Minnesota. Now listen, we just talked about like how Maryland, I think Maryland might be good and Purdue has good players. But like, if you think Bielema can give them a little shot of juice, like I, I don't, it intrigues me a little bit. And then this is a, like, same thing. Kansas is over under is one and a half. And it's, it's like, can Lance Leipold go two and 10? Like everybody thinks he's a really good coach. He's one at every level. Can, he took a bunch of Buffalo players with him. Can he get there and go two and 10? I'd probably put money on that. I think that Illinois Northwestern game might actually be at Champaign too, the last game of the regular season, which isn't always the case. Sometimes that's a neutral field where they play like over the pitcher's mound at Ridley field or whatever on like a, a halvesy where they only have one in zone or whatever. So um, that, I mean, that's even a game that you could throw into the mix, even though we, we like Northwestern. I don't know that they're going to like, they might not be in a position to blow the doors off Illinois quite this year. So I, you I keep think that's throwing Northwestern and you did it with Nebraska too. You keep throwing in Northwestern as like, well, you know, games that teams could win. Northwestern's like the fifth best program in the big 10. I, so I picked, them, I, and I I'm picked not Northwestern saying over six. Person. I know, I, but I also picked them over six. Like you said, if it was eight and a half or nine, I don't know if I would be picking them over that number. So that's why they're in that, that they're the, uh, one of the better mediocre teams in the big 10 potentially. You have listed like when you're listing, tough games and, and possible winning games for bad teams. You've listed Northwestern as a possible winning team, and you've listed Michigan as like a tough game at least once. And it's like Northwestern is absolutely a better football program than Michigan right now. And again, it has nothing to do with the fact that I, I went to Northwestern. Like we just, we have, which again is why the number for Northwestern, as much as I still think they're a little bit in the expectation game is very interesting to me because I don't think they're a team anymore. Like I think they're a program now and when you're a program like you kind of have a thing that it's like well we just you know we we hit our expectations a little bit more yes i know they sucked a couple years ago but they just had no quarterback they had literally no quarterback and they thought hunter johnson was going to be the guy and he didn't so um i'm i'm curious to see I, I, expectation handling is a one of the more interesting things to me as teams and i think once you prove you can do it that, that's when you go up a tier and it's like well no we we, we it's not about peaking it's about being this and i and i think northwestern is approaching being something that kind of is just 
there, which means like, well, no, they're not going to lose to Illinois. Like no matter where the game is, like Illinois is going to have to go find wins somewhere else. Any last words, Tishu? Um, my, my best overall bet. Um, I didn't take this because it doesn't really apply to Ohio state in any way, but my best overall bet uh, in terms of value is wake forest over six and a half. I've got them at 10 wins, not because my number necessarily thinks they're great, but their schedule sucks. And they are the second highest power rated team in the division behind Clemson, but they're, they're 30 points worse than Clemson. So um, wake forest over is my, my, my best bet uh, that, but it doesn't apply to Ohio state really. Well, if there's any podcast that champions middle tier ACC teams, it's Buckeye talk. Absolutely. I think we've driven down the expectations at Wake Forest single-handedly because every time when it's like, I don't know, what, what, what can we grab as a substitute for any like lousy team on Clemson's schedule? We just say Wake Forest, and now here they are ready to win 10 games. I also want to say what – I wanted to ask, what's more surprising – that I took Michigan under or that Doug took offense to your Northwestern slights. <laughs> I, I swear to God, I couldn't, I couldn't name three players on Northwestern's team, but Pat Fitzgerald's like one of the 10 best coaches in college football. So like, uh, and they build a thing on the lake. They build a thing on the lake. It's, it has uh, windows. You can see the ocean, not the ocean. What's the, the, what's the thing there. That's not a, a lake. You can see the lake. It's definitely not an ocean. Uh, I, I, I am about to go oh, see an ocean talk. actually next week. So I'm looking forward to that. So I may not be on the pod quite as much in the next couple of weeks, but speaking of the influence of a Buckeye talk before we go, I wanted to mention last week we had on, on BFF on last Thursday, we had Brandon Huffman from two, four, seven sports on. And at the end, he talked a little bit about, um, his, his daughter and, and the foundation that they did. And we encouraged everyone to go support that. And he sent us a, a, an email last week, uh, blown away by the the response that he got um and he assumed it was definitely influenced by us because he said we're getting a lot of uh we got a bunch of donations from ohio just in the last 24 hours after that podcast and and he and his wife um were really gracious about that and and wanted to pass along the the thanks that they felt for that and um uh, i was really happy that buckeye talk uh nation if you want to say our, our listeners really stepped up and 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 made an impact there so and that meant something to us and i know it meant something to them so thanks to you who did that if you're curious about it if you haven't listened to thursday pod do it do a search for avery strong the there's a lot of information out there you can look at, at brandon huffman's twitter account he's got links to it there and it, it's a good cause if people are looking for something to support so thanks for joining us again on this market on monday for tyler shoemaker for doug Lee Maurice, i'm nathan baird that was Buckeye Talk.